the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome. Good to be along on this uh, Friday edition of the show. want to say thank you, everyone, who uh, gave so kindly, so generously the last three days for our Food for the Poor campaign. Today, uh, we're back to our old selves. Well, I'm back to my old self, Kath. I mean, I feel back to my old self. Yeah, you're back to your regular self. I feel good yeah. about it. And, John, may I be the first one to tell you? Tell me what. Your weekend has begun. Oh, yes. Five minutes past the four o'clock hour on a lovely Friday afternoon here in the confines of the city of Pittsburgh. Truly all is right and well, at least in this corner of the world, at least in this little area. We're good. Here, the right? small area. Yeah, the three of us. Although, uh, Mike. Uh, oh, knew, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> Don't even bring this up. I'm in my office about an hour or so ago. Yeah. This vile smell. Oh, it's it's like. Vile smell. It smells something between rotten Zucchini. No, I was gonna go. I was gonna go vegetable. Zucchini and like newspaper on fire. Yeah, yeah. So I was in my office an hour and fifteen minutes ago, and Mike's going, "Hey, uh, you got uh, got some of that popcorn?" I'm like, uh, "I ate the popcorn. That was my lunch." <laughs> so I, I got another bag. You want, would like a bag of popcorn? He goes, "Yeah, yeah. I'd be happy to have that." Okay, that's good. And so then he goes into the kitchen. Puts the bag of microwave popcorn inside the microwave, then walks away. Mm-hmm. It probably was in there, what, 24 minutes, 25 minutes? He says two and a half. Yeah, uh-huh. It was a vestige. So of, somewhere between two and a half and 24 mm-hmm. minutes is the reality. It was a vestige of black smoke and bile pouring out of the kitchen here at Seven mm-hmm. Parkway Center. I'm surprised the, um, the fire department didn't show. That, it was that bad. It's still. Is it in your skin? It's in, it's my clothes for sure. Mm-hmm, yeah, it's great. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> no, no, no. It was bad. It was bad. And oh, then, okay, no, wait. You know what made it bad? What? Mike's total non-ownership of it. And <laughs> he walks around laughing about it. Ha, ha, ha. Oh. Okay, let me just oh, say. Okay. But there's that one element that, of the That made it worse One element of the story is missing. Mike. The fact that. You've done this several times. No, no, yes, you have. Yes, you have. I stood in that Word FM I've kitchen never. with you while you were yes. cooking popcorn in the microwave that started to smoke, and you were like, "Oh, oh, how?" Did-? Okay, here's the difference. Thank you, Kathy. Wait, here's the difference. I was vigilant with my microwave popcorn. <laughs> I stood there and watched it. Maybe, yeah. it, maybe it was three seconds. Maybe Mike. Like walked away and I walked made himself away for like thirty seconds. Yeah, he went and had like a uh, like a McDonald's milkshake. He went to work out. Uh, yeah, exactly. Out of the gym. Seriously, on one. Anyway, so now all of us smell like burnt popcorn, and I've got like a special evening this evening ruined because oh, now yeah. I smell like popcorn. Right. Your special evening this evening's ruined. All right, speaking like of ruined, <laughs> he's all anxious. He's- <laughs> He's like, all why nervous. Did, He's in there going, oh. why did I take, I take this job? Oh. So speaking oh. of things being ruined, uh, things in Snapchat land are bad. Snapchat. Now, do you Snapchat yourself? No. 
I do not myself. Mike signed me up for it. I did it once, and then I deleted the app. Okay, kind of like the popcorn. You're missing out. You guys, uh, are, you guys are both missing out. What are we missing out? I don't know Tell, if I am. What is fun the allure? What's the I can't allure? look. I got to keep track of so many like profiles online, and and plus I have to like you know wash my own hair. In you know between. what I mean? Like it's a lot in one life. Still wash okay? your own hair. And yeah. Like, carry oh, on with your life having a Snapchat. It's why, hard. Why do I need Snapchat? I'm sitting here daily atop a fifty thousand watt radio station. So does Snapchat make an impact on my life? It might. No. Well, it it's does making not. an impact on Rihanna's life. Yes, it does. Okay, so she's hacked off. Rihanna. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. let's let's go there. Okay. Uh, Rihanna yesterday Snapchat had an ad that was apparently created by outside people, not in, invested in the Snapchat brand. But it has to be approved by Snapchat. Right. Am I right about that? Yeah. So there was this particularly heinous ad, and it was. Uh, apparently, there's a game called Would You Rather. Mm-hmm. Now, is this an app game, Mike? Do you know anything about this? Oh, you, this is you... a game you play at parties. I well, mean, yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 but I don't know. There's probably, I'm sure there's a digital version. Would You Rather. So someone posted this ad. And you may have heard about this. Would you rather a photograph of Rihanna uh, slap Rihanna? Would you rather slap Rihanna or would you rather punch Chris Brown? Now, this apparently goes back to a uh, an assault that Chris Brown perpetrated on Rihanna maybe nine years or so ago. Which he pled guilty for. Yes. And so now, I mean, you know, that's just... just Poor manners, quite honestly. Yeah. Uh, stupid. In the midst of the hashtag Me Too movement, Rihanna spoke up and said, I find this in poor taste, disgusting, uh, disappointed. I never use Snapchat anyway. So that tells you where they're coming from. Here's my problem. With Snapchat? No, my problem is with Rihanna. And I, Why? I get Why? Well, she's in, she's okay. innocent in all this. She is innocent. I, okay. She was the victim the in the Chris Brown thing that was adjudicated, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Here's my problem: is that Rihanna's no. public per no, her public persona is like the rap boy toy. That's how she appears to me. That's not a label anyone's put on her. I'm choosing that label. When I see her, and I'm not a Rihanna fan, so I just check her out. You know, if I see her performing somewhere, I see something on YouTube. I watched her at the Grammys. That I mean, does anyone else do? You, Yes, you, no. you think? No, you don't. You don't see Rihanna that way. No. Uh, oh, come on. Wait, wait, wait. I don't know Rihanna from oh, okay. Nancy well, Sinatra. <laughs> okay, that's how far away I am. Well, from Rihanna. Rihanna's boots were also made for okay, walking. I, I have. She is not in my universal orbit, Mike, at all. Yeah, the way she sings. Yeah, you think? A, what do you mean the way her, she sings? Her stage performance. Her, her yeah. stage performance. Her her uh, types of lyrics that she chooses to sing. Yeah. What, you can't. But listen, you cannot make the victimized, the victim, uh, the perpetrator in this I'm case. I'm not saying she's not a victim, and I'm not saying the no, snap. She is. I'm not saying this. Uh, I'm not saying she's not a victim. She is a victim. Stuff and the like Chris this. Brown thing, and this clearly that's in poor taste. But I'm saying she's she doesn't help her cause because of how she portrays herself. Yep. Here's the thing. Look, Kesha had a whole different image until she went through that horrible personal situation with her manager, and she came out at the Grammys. Her singing her new song she's a different person i have a lot of respect for kesha and the personal evolution that she's Mm -hmm. gone through i'm sorry i don't see that with rihanna well it's not here and there to me because you just can't go online and say hey you you want to slap a celebrity you can't you can't but isn't it okay for me also to say okay no it's not okay none of that's okay but i feel like you know she should be more concerned about what her what her public image is the brand yeah how she portrays what she does on stage she surrounds herself with men in sexual situations on stage. I saw that happen at the Grammys. Well, so did Marilyn Monroe. 
So she also had a problem with her public image, which she perpetrated. So what? We should all say to anybody who is the least bit sexy on stage, we should say, well, you deserve there it. There is a whole huge chasm between kind of sexy on stage and what Rihanna did at the Grammys. I don't know. I don't know what. So now we're going to have like, you know, Quaker women. We're good with that. Yeah, Everybody else. you know I'm a Quaker. We, we've kind of gone. Come on. No, come That's on. That's a false equivalent. No, There's nothing to compare kind of sexy with Rihanna at the Grammys. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. I, no, I just, I'm not in this is, camp here. No. I, I think that you're you off base here. You are wrong. No, you are. You are wrong. No. Maybe, it's because, maybe it's because I'm a woman and I look up and I, th- I watch that performance and I think, okay, so there are times, like multitudinous times, when women are misused by the entertainment industry. Constantly. However, that was her choice to act like that, to do that gig on that stage uh, at that award show. So – like that's on her, but she wasn't perpetrating violence upon herself. No, she's just saying being, she, you know, she's this portray- little sex. No, thing. I'm saying she's portraying herself as a sex object surrounded by men. Yeah, well, that's well, that's what that's her- how it's been. Well, since- that's that's what's happening. No, no, for someone to post an ad and say, "Hey, let's slap I'm this not, woman." I'm not that's saying cool. the ad is fine. I'm saying the ad is horrible. I'm saying what happened to, with Chris Brown and her is horrible. Chris, that Chris Brown said he was guilty. It was adjudicated. Chris Brown is obviously a jerk. I'm, I'm not sticking up for him. He's horrible. I'm just saying. Look at what she at. Look at her. The model that she's putting out. The model that she is acting as for the women of America. Come I don't, on. No, no, look, I don't get. Look. A Betty Grable pinup on some GIs in World War II. Yeah. That's as sexy in that yeah. kind of version, right, on the side of an airplane or something as a pinup model as it is in a 2018 Ex- video. Exci- except it's to an exponent now. Okay, so I'm not saying the Betty Grable thing I'm a fan of either. But I'm saying you you magnify that by the culture we have today and the kind of technolo- technology we have today. She's like Betty Grable to the 10th power. I, but, you know, sh- short of hardcore pornography on – you know, network television. I, I don't see the comparison here. I don't. Listen, it's, it's sexuality she, that fits the the, no, the media landscape is, of today. Yes, that's true. That, that's exactly true. And that's the problem. The media landscape of today has taken what Betty Grable used to do and turned it into what Rihanna. Well, does. it shouldn't make Rihanna. You know, which, a victim which to I got to be honest. I'm on. telling you that I'm not saying she should be whacked. I never said she should be whacked. I never said she should be hit. I'm saying she was the victim in that. I'm just saying her public persona also needs work. All right, let's get on. Let's Rihanna's publicist next here on the ride home with John and Kathy. Actually, we're not going to do this. We're going to talk about scars across humanity. Yeah, Elaine Storkey coming yeah, up next. Understanding and overcoming violence against women. That's next. WORD. Coming up on Love Worth Finding. What will the Antichrist be like? He will be an appealing man in the eyes of the world. Now, when we call him a beast, don't think of him as being hideous in appearance. Remember that the devil himself appears as an angel of light. Learn about the nature of the beast and the end times when you hear Adrian Rogers this week on Love Worth Finding. Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD. Families are discovering a better way to vacation on Tripping.com. One search on Tripping.com lets you filter, compare, and sort homes from the world's top vacation rental sites so you'll always find the best deal. From furnished beach houses to cozy ski lodges, lakefront cabins to luxury condos in major cities, Tripping.com has them all. Vacation rentals offer more, more privacy, more space for everyone under one roof, and more choices with fully stocked kitchens, extra bedrooms and even hot tubs all the comforts of home and 
and then some. Best of all, at Tripping.com, you'll find more savings with rates up to 80% less than traditional hotel rooms. Planning your family's spring break to Florida? Tripping.com. Can't wait to visit Lake Tahoe this summer? Tripping.com. Dreaming of a cabin in the Smoky Mountains? Tripping.com. This year, get out of the hotel room and into the vacation home of your dreams with Tripping.com slash plan. That's T-R-I-P-P-I-N-G dot com slash plan. Find your perfect vacation rental on Tripping.com. When wet weather is on the way, keep it dry inside with J&D Waterproofing. Water seepage and a sinking foundation can cause major structural damage if left untreated. Joe Belanti and the team at J&D Waterproofing have the experience to correct your water problem with over 72 years in the industry. Call the Tri-State's premier waterproofing company now at 1-800-VERY-DRY for a free estimate and big savings on all waterproofing services for a limited time. J&D Waterproofing, 1-800-VERY-DRY. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville is everything you need to protect your car or truck all winter long. Say goodbye to winter grind with an extreme detailing to help preserve the life and look of your vehicle. Got a new car? Protect your investment with TST Rust Remedy, the most effective rust control system you'll find anywhere. And spray-on bullet bed liners offer extreme protection tested in the most extreme conditions known to man. Call the Extreme Team now at 412-257-1006 or visit ExtremeTruck.net. 412-257-1006, ExtremeTruck.net. My name is Lola Silvestri, and I'm going to be 95 this year. I spend a lot of time in my backyard. I feed the birds and the bees. I love my flowers. The color in my garden keeps the pink in my cheeks. I was very independent and thought I could take care of myself. I fell and I had to have meals on wheels. I love them. They're my savior. And I look forward to volunteers because they've all become my friends. It's Meals on Wheels. America, let's do lunch. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Finding a Christian school that meets your students' needs and your high standards is simple. Visit pittsburghchristianschools.net and discover Greater Pittsburgh's best Christian schools, links to their websites, location information, and more. pittsburghchristianschools.net So we are efforting for our next guest. But in the meantime, I probably have watched in my life six minutes of American Idol. I've never seen it. Never at all. I watched. I was uh, invested in The Voice for a couple seasons, okay. maybe two or three seasons. But I never got into American Idol. So, and American Idol, it seems that's probably backwards yeah, because American Idol has been pioneer. much more. Well, and the, the, their winners have been like so much more successful than anybody who's won The Voice. Yeah, yeah. So apparently there was a premiere of the new uh, American Idol, which it's is been a whole so, so no Simon Cowell anymore. Now it's like all nice people. Now yes. it's Lionel Richie, right? It's Katy Perry, and it's um, Luke Bryan, right? Exactly. Right. So Harry Connick was on there for a while. J Lo was on there for a while, um, but all those people are gone, and so now it's like the newer nicer Idol, the newer nicer Idol. That's what yeah, it seems yeah, like, yeah, yeah. right? So the story uh, that's that's 
kind of made headlines everywhere right, is, right, uh, right. and I'm reading the article from the New York Times by Catherine Roseman, talking about Benjamin Glaze, who's a 19-year-old cashier from Oklahoma who auditioned for American Idol. He was all excited that this would be his big moment. However, um, it got weird when he was like being asked questions by the by the hosts, and he said somehow in this. That he had never been kissed. Oh, I know what it was. It started out with Luke Bryan. He asked him, he asked this kid, uh, Benjamin Glaze, have you kissed a girl and liked it? And of course, it was a reference to Katy Perry's first hit single, which was I Kissed a Girl. Right. Right. And this kid, Benjamin Glaze, who's 19 years old, says, no, I've never kissed a girl. He says, quote, I have never been in a relationship and I can't kiss a girl without being in a relationship. So as soon as he says that, Katy Perry stands up and says, come here to this contestant. Come here right now. So she motioned for him to come over to the judge's table and she stuck her face toward him. And he said, one on the cheek. So he quickly kissed her on the cheek. She asked for another kiss, complaining that he hadn't even made the smush sound. As he moved toward her cheek again, she swung her face toward him and kissed him quickly on the lips. Katy, he yelled as he stumbled backwards, you didn't. And Katy Perry raised her arms in victory. Now, he was kindly rejected by the judges for his musical performance after that. But mm-hmm. this is garnering a lot of conversation around the country. Like, was what Katy Perry did... Against the hashtag Me Too movement, right? Was it, she should have known better. Was it Be- harassive in some way? Right. Now, apparently, the young man's come out and said, this is not harassment. Um, you know, it's been a tempest in a teapot. Right, which I appreciate him saying because it really, it really is not. A it's not deal. a huge deal. No. So I'm glad he didn't come out and say, "Oh my gosh, I was victimized." The whole thing. However, it bothers me a little bit. Why? It bothers me a little bit that here's a kid who said, I, "I've never been kissed," mm-hmm. and I, I specifically want to wait until I'm in a relationship with somebody. Right. And Katy Perry says, "You know what I." I'm going to take to go, over I'll and just, just and decide what's right for you. Run right through there, yeah. And based on Katy Perry's public persona, it just seems like this is, you know, a, a woman trying to push her like sexual mores on somebody else. Does it? Did you think the same thing? <laughs> I did. Uh, I think <laughs> here I am again. Look up. I'm talking about Rihanna one minute and Katy Perry the next. I think she was trying to be, and I'll put this in air quotes, she was trying to be cute. I agree. And so by doing that, she essentially did violate this man, this young boy, mm-hmm. um, his his sanctity. His, right. Because he wanted to save himself. Right. Now, he's saying it wasn't. So his friends later on, he said, my friend said it really it didn't break my you know, my trust in myself that, you know, this wasn't something that I went and looked for. And it wasn't right, a And he's right kiss. about that. And he's right about that. I mean, to think that now, my guess is, now this is interesting to me, but she interests me because she was raised, Katy Perry was, in a very deeply evangelical home. Right. I mean, she was homeschooled. I mean, anybody that would recognize that and go, I know that upbringing. Now, she has since been in, obviously, you know, turmoil since that, that she goes against that. And she has was disconnected from her parents for a long time. So she knows this. She knows this worldview. She knows better than to do this to this kid. But it was her way of the highway. It bugs me. And I know it's not a big deal. And I know that – and the kid has not taken it as a big deal. And I I, I believe she didn't mean anything by it. But yeah. what I think it 
it betrays is her bias. I think it shows what she really thinks, which is the fact that this poor kid is repressed and her job is to unrepress him. Right. I'm going to give you a thrill. Now, she didn't mean to violate him. She didn't mean to harass him. I don't believe any of that. But I do think that it shows that she is in some way interested in, con- in, in quote unquote, converting him to her perspective. Like, yeah. let me take you out into the wider world, naive boy, right. and show you what's Good real. Christian boy. Yeah. And let me show you what, what's real in the world. I get that. And I think that's the basis of, you could put that as a linchpin for the culture wars, right? As we are Christians, if you are especially raised in that mindset, this is your worldview. This is your worldview. Katy Perry, raised in that mindset, knows better, but still pushes her way forward. Now, let's try to imagine if the situations were reversed and the contestant was a girl and say Luke Bryan did that. And Luke Bryan did that. Yeah, well, there would be a, a different tone to that. That's definitely right. I mean, that would seem predatory because Luke Bryan is a, is a man and yes. Luke Bryan is a big man. Right. And so that would seem predatory. So I don't, I'm not saying that the situations are identical yeah. or even parallel, but I'm saying it's worth thinking about the fact that if a person decides something for themselves, it's not up to you to decide that they shouldn't do that. Right. That's not your gig. That's not your prerogative. So, you know, keep your lips to yourself. Now, I wonder, this is interesting to me because when you look at just performance value, that may have, this kid may be a great talent. I mean, I didn't see the segment, but he was denied to the next level. But that flustered him so much that he asked for a glass of water and then composed himself. He didn't make it through, like you said, but apparently um, what Katy Perry said, hey, and next time, just be a little, uh, take a little more time. You seemed a bit rushed. Well, no kidding. Yeah. So that just feeds into that. You she's know. kind of a jerk. Doesn't she come off like, I, I'm not saying she's, I, I don't know her. She sounds like she's kind of a jerk. She sounds like a Hollywood celebrity. There you go. Take a break. Be right back. It's the Ride Home with John and Kathy. Alive, the acclaimed Easter musical will be presented on the stage of the historic Capitol Theater, Wheeling, West Virginia, on Palm Sunday weekend, March 23, 24, and 25. This inspiring musical passion play celebrates the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The 250-member-plus cast and crew invite you to come and celebrate this Easter season with He's Alive. Free admission, doors open one hour before performance, He's Alive, Palm Sunday weekend, Friday, March 23, and Saturday, March 24. Night performances begin at 7.30. Palm Sunday matinee begins at 3.30. He's Alive. For more information, call 304-233-4470. He's Alive is produced and directed by Heavenbound Ministries, Inc. Visit our website at heavenboundministriesinc.org. Like us on Facebook at Heavenbound and He's Alive. I'm Robin Truszynski from the Original Mattress Factory. If you're considering paying retail price for a new mattress, this is your wake-up call. Why is there suddenly a mattress store on every corner? Well, just Google mattress markups. Original Mattress is a private label mattress brand sold directly to the public. We own the factory and the store. Why? Let's just say excessive markups don't fit our values. Just say no to the middleman. The Original Mattress Factory, thoughtfully made, honestly priced. OriginalMattress.com. 
Discover Eden Christian Academy and discover an exceptional education where solid academics and authentic faith prepare students to step confidently into the future. See what the largest non-denominational pre-K through 12th grade Christian school in the North Hills has to offer. From Whippeo Athletics to Fine Arts, Service Activities and more. Eden Christian Academy, Christ-centered, student-focused, and mission-true since 1983. Visit EdenChristianAcademy.org. Hey, Pittsburgh. The huge March sales event is going on right now at Calusi Chevrolet. Hi, this is Tunch Ilkin, and the best deals of the year are right now at Calusi. Now through the end of the month, you can get 0% APR financing for up to 72 months on select models or choose huge bonus cash savings over $10,000 on select model Silverados. Check them out online at Calusi.com. Serving the Pittsburgh area for 100 years. Chevrolet, find new roads. For just five quarters a day, you can sponsor a child through Compassion International. It's pocket change to you. It's life changing for a child in need. Be part of the change. Become a sponsor now at Compassion.com slash radio. That's Compassion.com slash radio. Mostly clear for the evening hours tonight, and clouds will be increasing later on, low 21. For tomorrow, a mixture of snow, ice, and rain south of the city in the morning. A little to no accumulation. Clouds will break for some sunshine in the afternoon. High 43 degrees. Clear and cold tomorrow night, 23. Plenty of sunshine and milder Sunday, high 51. I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle on AM 1250, The Answer. Okay. All right, a couple of listeners weighing in. Uh, Amanda says, I am with Kathy on this. I'm not sure if she means about Rihanna or about Katy Perry or whatever. Okay. Also, Amy says, OMG, Kathy is taking the words right out of my mouth. Really agree with everything you say. I am so annoyed with Katy Perry. Thank you. <laughs> okay. What about, right. I'm, not see, I'm not seeing the listener emails or, or direct messages saying, I'm with John on this. No. Mike, are you seeing any of those? This is one of those rare times. No. One of those just rare, really rare times. <laughs> is it a really rare time? I, 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 what did I say against Katy no, Perry? You, no, no, you said nothing against Katy Perry. I was No, we I, we were in agreement on that. You were just kind of like being hard on me about Rihanna. Yeah. I, I, but I, I just think, think I was right telling the that. truth about Rihanna. Hey. Okay. Um, so speaking of celebrities, we're like on this weird Celebrity Friday kick. <laughs> we're right? excited. Plus, we're talking about... Uh, Christian rock pioneer Larry Norman at five o'clock. Oh yeah, which is excellent. I look which forward is to this conversation. a super interesting story. That's uh, with Greg Thornberry. It's coming up right up to the five o'clock news. Um, when I was a kid, John, there were a couple shows, TV shows, that just speak my childhood to me. You oh, know yeah, how sure, those sure. things you watch as a kid that Without you just, a doubt. you remember sitting there watching them. You remember looking forward to watching them. And of course, at that point, everybody was watching the same shows, so everybody would talk about them the next day or what. Anyway, right. Couple of those shows for me um, include Chips. <laughs> I've never seen it. Oh, did I love really Chips? Eric Estrada, Ponch and John. I have never. So they're motorcycle cops in L.A. Right, I know that. Right, that's pretty much all you need to know because it was a really stupid show. So two good-looking men yes. in uniform, yes. driving on the highway, yes. breaking up. What crime. else do you need? That's, that's pretty. That good. was. I mean, yeah, there it is. Uh huh. So what? What instrument I don't making know. those sounds? What year is that? Late seventies? Yeah, I would say seventy-seven, okay. eight. Uh huh. Am I right? Seventy-seven, seventy-eight. Okay. Mm. 
So yeah. Eric Estrada, post-chips, his career is... Over. Chips. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's ever really done anything else. When you see Eric Estrada now, it's sort of mm-hmm. like he's poking fun at Eric Estrada. Right, because he... I mean, he was such a gigantic star. He was such a gigantic star then. Yeah. I mean, he was just for nothing other than being incredibly good looking. That was all it was. Um, could be a lot worse, right? It, I mean, exactly. Many careers have been because what happened to less. the other guy? I don't even know the other guy's name. It was Ponch and John, but I don't remember the other guy's real name. Yeah. I, He's currently working at Safeway. <laughs> Eric Estrada, 69 years old today. Mm-hmm. See, this is weird. Uh, so. We're sort of like me. We're in this sort of cultural cauldron where, you know, the heroes of your youth yeah. are either aging out or, or worse, right. dying. <laughs> so this past week, James Taylor turned 70. Right. And I kind of went, oh, James Taylor, JT is 70. Right. And Eric Estrada turned 69. 69. At least they're still alive. Yeah, that's right. They're with us. Yeah. It's, it's bothering me that I can't think of the other guy's name. Mm-hmm. Has there ever been a time, speaking of death, <laughs> and I say that with all due respect, yeah. has there ever been a time that someone died mm-hmm. you know, in your connectivity, you know, one of those like celebrities, and you kind of went, ow. I mean, uh, when you think about that, yeah. somebody that was a defining moment in your life? Um, yes. No, I'm, no, I'm sure that's the case, but I can't, like, I can't put my Kinda finger go, on one. That guy died? That lady's dead? Holy smokes. Rock of my world. Yeah. I, uh, no. Liberace? Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Frank Sinatra. Frank. Frank see, died. I knew. There are multiple ones. I just couldn't of course, think of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When Frank died, I had a, I had my first baby. And my first baby was an infant at the time. And mm-hmm. I remember waking up early to feed her when I heard that Frank Sinatra had died. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, Doug Hurth did a four-hour broadcast on uh, 1360 at that About point. About Frank. Or maybe it was 1250 at that point. I think he was still on the morning show there. Uh-huh. And it was... Peerless, so just incredible four hours. Now, many believers do not like Frank Sinatra. You know that. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, it wasn't the most stellar lifestyle. Well, what you can pick on Frank now? I'm not. I'm just telling you the truth, and Frank I just want to chairman put of the, the board. caveat out there. Yeah, you know, you know, I know. You know, put a little asterisk next I'm to. I'm saying Frank's, I love you know. them. I love the man and his music. I'm not saying I like. You know, am signing up with his whole no. personal life. But isn't it funny? Like you know, in Christian, and people always want to go. I wonder if he was a Christian. You know, like you know, there's mm-hmm. been like a like a, a Steve McQueen. Oh, oh Steve McQueen. I, we claim Steve McQueen is a I Christian. Don't like that. You know, so so do people ever say that about Frank? No, I don't no one so. ever says that about Frank. Sadly, sadly. No. But I don't like when people assigning faith. When pe- yeah, when yeah. people get into the habit of talking about oh, there was a you know deathbed conversion by mm. Steve McQueen or by Clark Gable or whoever whoever it was. I just. Like, cheapens it. it. It cheapens it, and it's not for us to know. Right. So why are Between we talking? Why are we talking about that? Because you, know, you know, it's the internet. I just, I mean, I appreciate the fact that when we're alive, we're you know, we're we're trying to urge one another toward faith, and we're saying what we believe, and I like all that. Yeah. I just, when someone has passed on, there is zero. I, I think that should just be a sealed situation. Well, so why do we do that? Why does the speculation about a person's deathbed conversion or near death conversion intrigue because us? Christians have a weird no. I really do think Christians have this weird need to get famous people in our camp. Well, I don't, I don't find a problem with that. I, I think mean, it's weird. Why? Why I mean, do we need famous people so, in our camp? You don't, but someone that you respect and or admire. If oh, well, that's if a different thing. If they're like-minded, yeah. you kind of go, well, I dig that. Yeah, man. okay. If it's, so if it's someone you respect or admire and you say, hey, that person was a believer, yeah. huh? But it's. I think it's a little I – th- I don't think you're acknowledging how like glommy – G-L-O-M-M-Y, made glommy. that up just uh-huh. now. No. How glommy some Christians are about about like entertainers. 
I get that. I, I understand. But, you know, it, I want to be like people would say, I want to be in that club. Uh, if that guy is a follower of Jesus, it makes me feel better about being in that. Okay, cool so club. there's a, there's so I many problems with that worldview. Uh, but that's true, though. Yeah, Isn't but it we true? don't. So we want to not allow that worldview to be accepted because some. But Steve we McQueen being a Jesus follower really has nothing to do with you deciding yes or no for Christ. Without a doubt, nothing no, no, to do with that. There's no relationship. Uh, no, between. not at all. Though, I love Steve McQueen. Of course you do. He was the single. I think he probably was the coolest. Can you think of anybody cooler who's been in film? Oh, there's you been know, a lot of. Oh no, cooler. Cool guys. No cooler. You know who I think is very cool. Hmm. Who I is the um, uh, who's the current James Bond? Uh, I can't. Speak yeah, to but that. you know who I mean. Not Daniel Craig. Yeah, who, yeah Daniel Craig. I think he's very cool. You know what? Okay, so when you look at those two, because to me they're very similar. I think they are. Physically, facially, and energy-wise. So here, I, yes, I know this, yes I know, that's a good point about the energy. So there's an inside story about the Bullet, that when Steve McQueen was given the script for Bullet, he went through with a, a, a pen, a red pen, and just slashed and burned his dialogue. Is that right? Because he wanted, he wanted the guy, Bullet, to be still to be quiet because there's something about a man who is the strong silent type mm-hmm. right most Whether of it goes unspoken exactly so daniel craig and steve mcqueen have that same silent persona yes that's exactly mm-hmm. right you know i shared on the air that we just watched bullet maybe two months ago my husband and i and when it was over my husband said i can't believe how little he said yeah, in that movie that's exactly why because he has somehow, can you imagine having the power to have editorial control over the script? You have to be a pretty big star yes, to be able to cross things out with yeah. your red pen. So it doesn't make you feel good that he, he may have been a believer. I'm I'm very happy for him. Yeah, but that doesn't make me like be excited to be more of a Christian because Steve McQueen maybe was. Because <laughs> that's, <weird. laughs> that's weird. I should be excited to be a Christian because of who Jesus was, yeah, not exactly. because of uh, Hollywood started. That's very, that's very good. I'm, there are a lot of similarities between Daniel Craig yeah. and Steve McQueen. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the, that yeah. naming those two names together just came out of the blue. For, I, you, you look at their faces and you kind of go, you know, separated at birth, although yeah. you know, decades apart. Do you like Daniel Craig? Oh, very, very much so. He's my favorite Bond. Yeah, you know Which what? Is, though, you know, uh, what's the most recent like. Bond? Spectre. I have no idea. Is that the most recent one? I think. Anyway, I I started to watch it. It was on uh, either Netflix or Amazon. Did you like it? No. Really? I got maybe 30 minutes into it, and I thought, I don't care. I think I'm over it. Hmm. I think I'm just over it. It's just, just I mean, there's always an awesome chase scene right out of the gate. Yeah, yeah. And it's always epic. And, you know, but. You're just done. I think I'm just done. Okay, that's fine. No more bonds for you. Yeah. Are you still into it? I like it. Well, you know, it's a good, whenever the bonds come out, it's a good, like, dad-son picture. Mm. Because. Well, because, no wait, no wait, wait, no wait. Because wait, of the way wait, women are portrayed. Wait, 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 wait. I was just, I was going to backpedal. You're going to get back? I was going to get back to you about here. the Rihanna hold conversation. On, hold on, hold on. Wait. Hold on. Oh, my You being the defender of the weak women and all. I was just yeah. going to backpedal there. And I was going to say, with the exception <laughs> of those few moments, <laughs> it's not like, you know, it's not like I'm going camping. Not good, wholesome camping. No, it's not. It is a Bond film. But there's something about watching... That kind of stuff never happened on chips. <laughs> good gravy. Larry. Was that guy's name Larry? I have no idea. Larry. Is that right? I just what, what, The actor's yes. name was Larry? Larry? No. Larry Wilcox? Larry Wilcox and Eric Estrada. They were punching John. Larry... 
Larry Wilcox is the actor's name or the character's name? No, the name? character. Or no, the actor's name. Actor's name. It was okay. Larry Wilcox. Well, that's why. And, and, that's why he never made and it. And he probably is working at Walmart. How many Larrys are there who are stars? Not. Right? Lawrence Fishburne. See, he even left Larry no. behind. He went Larry straight from for the Lawrence. Three Stooges, maybe. Might, might have been it. Maybe. I can't think of another one. I don't think that there really is. Larry Storch. Who's that? F Troop. Oh, God. That was like 100 years ago. <laughs> you ask. I went back and grabbed it. Now you're complaining. <laughs> Holy smokes. There we go. Okay, take a quick break. Come back. Uh, what are we talking about next? Oh. Oh, yeah, this is good. Uh, bridging the racial divide. Yeah, uh, David Ireland's going to join us just in time for St. Patrick's Day. 101.5 WORD. Celebrating the release of the new film, I Can Only Imagine, based on the origins of the hit song by Mercy Me. With a Word FM, Mercy Me Weekend. Mercy Me. Mercy Me, I really like a lot. Hear all their biggest hits all weekend long. And Sunday afternoon, win their music too. That's so excited. We'll be giving away the brand new Mercy Me Greatest Hits CD, also called I Can Only Imagine. And a complete Mercy Me CD library. Just tune in. Listen. Mercy Me in the spotlight and Mercy Me giveaways on Sunday on 101.5 Word FM. I'm Todd Chapman with Food for the Poor, and I want to thank you for the amazing outpouring of love during our campaign to save starving children in Haiti. During this month-long campaign, we're endeavoring to save over 900 kids. These are kids who are going days without eating. They're drinking contaminated water, water that can make them sick or could even kill them. But friends, your gifts of love and compassion are making a difference in this despair, in this hopelessness. You're giving food for a year and water for life through the Ministry of Food for the Poor. It's food and water that comes hand-in-hand with the love of Christ because it's administered by pastors, by ministries right there on the ground in Haiti. We're more than halfway to our goal, but friends, we still need your help. Would you give a loving gift right now to save kids? $50 provides food for a year and water for life for one child. And we have a special matching partner on board to double your gifts. Please call now with your generous gift. 855-828-4673. 855-828-HOPE. 855-828-4673. You can also give online by clicking the Give Life banner at wordfm.com. Individual results may vary. Sophia went through a lot of tutoring and got minimal results. For her ADHD, she was almost off the charts. None of the typical therapies met her needs. We felt like we were constantly playing catch up. There was great guilt, like I had done something wrong. I hadn't taught my child what she needed to learn. She wasn't functioning in society. I knew I knew this was going to be the solution. Brain balance is the answer for your kid because it didn't just mask the problems, it actually addressed the issue. That little girl that wants to do well, that wants to please, that wants to make the right choices, is actually able to make the right choices and to please now. This is not my kid anymore. This is this totally different kid. I don't doubt for a moment that I made the right decision in taking Sophia to Brain Balance. It has completely completely changed our lives. Why just mask your child's learning and behavioral issues when you can get to the root of the problem? Call Brain Balance today and make a real difference in the life of your child. Call 724-390-9012. That's 724-390-9012. I, Luke, send a message to all those that follow our Lord Jesus Christ. From the studio that brought you Risen and War Room comes Paul, Apostle of Christ. There are men, women, children that will never meet you. There must be a handwritten account of your acts. Their faith challenged an empire. Do you really know 
about these Christians. I am concerned with these documents. Their words change the world. Love is the only way. Paul, Apostle of Christ, starring Jim Caviezel. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. In theaters March 23rd. Go to paulmovie.com. Discover Eden Christian Academy and discover an exceptional education in which solid academics and authentic faith prepare students to step confidently into the future. Christ-centered, student-focused, and mission-true since 1983. Visit EdenChristianAcademy.org. I think there's been an awful lot of talk. Talk, 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 talk about bridging a racial and cultural divide. But quite honestly, uh, I think just talk is cheap. We all know that, right? There's not a lot of action about that. How does that even, how does that even work? Mm-hmm. Well, Dr. David Ireland is with us. Uh, Dr. Ireland is the lead pastor of Christ Church, a multi-site, multi-racial congregation in New Jersey. He serves as the diversity consultant to the NBA, leads chapel services for the New York Giants and the New York Jets. We will not hold that against him. Dr. David Ireland, we welcome you, sir, to the show. Oh, my pleasure, John and Kathy. Thanks for the opportunity to speak Thank to you. the audience. Can you yeah. be a Steelers fan, Dr. Ireland? <laughs> you, you said, am I a Steelers fan? No, can you be one, you just be one? at least for the next oh, 10 minutes one? or so, is, yes. Is, is, maybe for the next 10 minutes. Okay, we'll take a that. lot of pressure. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, public. <laughs> that's a little cheap, but we'll take it. It is, no, yeah. Uh, all right, David. So uh, can your church, can any church decide to be a racially diverse church? Or does that have to happen organically? It has to be intentional. It can be organic, but reconciliation is an intentional experience. Mm -hmm. That means that we choose to love people that are different than ourselves. And and Jesus challenged us to do that. He said we ought to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And that was, that's an intentional challenge. He threw the gauntlet down. Yeah. So so then in your church, sorry, Dr. Arlen, in your church, what does that look like? How, how are you intentional making this work? One, I'm teaching on it so that it's clear. Second, I stand up and I communicate that I espouse diversity. Three, I look to model it based on what you see on the platform, based on the treatment of people, the guests that come in, the subject matters that are approached in terms of sermonically, so that throughout the entire swath of the ministry, from brochures to website to everything that one sees and touches and feels, it must have this sense of reconciliation at its core. And I believe that's central to the Christian faith. David, talk about the response um, that you've gotten. And I don't mean that the response should validate or invalidate your perspective, but I'm interested in when your church began, was diversity a, uh, a core tenant of your church? And did people respond well at first? Were they questioning? Were they outright, no, I'm not into this? Well, I'll, I'll go back to the beginning. It was 32 years ago that my wife and I planted Christ Church. Two weeks into the formation, I was still so new that I didn't have any ideas to what church. I could even spell church. I was 24 years old, and my wife was expecting our first child. And so she asked me to go to the grocery store for her to pick up some items, all these odd combination of foods, but I didn't question it. I just went. And so when I went there, I remember distinctly, I was walking down the aisle with this little red basket, hand basket, putting items in the basket. I got to one of the aisles, uh, and when I got there, I took the item off the shelf, put it in the basket. I looked down the other end of the corridor, and when I did that, I happened to see people that were white, black, Latino, Asian, biracial. And when I saw that, I heard for the first time in my life the audible voice of God. Hmm. And the Lord said to me, David, why can't it be like that in my house? 
And I started crying uncontrollably. And I'm one of those guys, if you ever watch Star Trek, I'm the Vulcan. Give me the fact. <laughs> Emotions get in the way. Yes. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm that proverbial <laughs> left brain guy. But I'm tearing up, and I'm, it's one of those ugly kinds of cries. It wasn't one of those things that's quiet, no one sees you. Sees you. I'm, I'm messed up because God placed on my shoulders the things that bothers him. And one of those things is the fact that his house needs to be increasingly racially diverse. Yes. And so out of that burden, when I began to communicate it and share it, people caught it. It wasn't something that you just teach, it's something that's caught. And we hear the statement, some things are taught and other things are caught, and you catch it mm. you know, as well as it can be taught. Mm. What has catching it done for your congregation? I'll take a step back and say that the church becomes racially diverse for one of four reasons. Uh, I did my doctoral dissertation on the black-white relationship in large multiracial churches in America. Now, our, our church, we have two campuses, two locations, and our church is about 40%. I'm African-American. Our church is about 40% non-black. And so that means whites, Asians, uh, Latinos, uh, biracial folks, you know, they're there. And so we have about 60 to 70 different nations that call Christ Church mm-hmm. home. Now, when I take a step back and say, forget Christ Church now, let's just look at it as we look at an American culture and society. And so when I did my dissertation, I had to go and travel to, con- to, to churches rather across the country that were racially diverse. And when I got to a church that had a white senior pastor, I established two focus groups in that church just off the black constituency. That means those who are African-American. And the focus group is anywhere from 10 to 12 people that I would meet with. So I met with two of them over a 90-minute period, each for 90 minutes. If the senior pastor was black, I met with focus group members that were white. And when I ask the question to try to figure out why is this church racially diverse, four reasons surfaced. And one reason is that the church is diverse because of the pastor, not the preaching, the person. Something flows out of that person's life that is so transformational that people will drive by a hundred churches to get to that church because of what they're experiencing from that person. Second reason that makes the church diverse, and each reason is distinct in and of itself. It doesn't have to be all four working in a particular church for it to be diverse, but, they, it, but one of these four is going to be working. The second reason is the sense of belonging. That means when people walk through those doors, they feel like they're family. And it doesn't matter what the composition of the church is racially, there's this sense of family. And I experienced it you know, you know, when I went into these places. It was so clear. And uh, the third reason is the worship experience. And so something that's transformational flows out of the worship experience that makes someone then say, I'm going to drive by 100 churches that has everybody in there looks just like me. I don't care about that. I don't care that may make me feel really, really comfortable. I'm going to go to that church because when I go there and I worship with those individuals, there's something I experience in touching heaven and heaven touching me that I have to, that I have to get that all the time. The fourth reason is the sovereignty of God. That's like what happened in Azusa Street. God showed up in such a unique way that people from different races came there because they craved God. Now, when I take a step back, and I know I'm throwing out something in, you know, that may be novel to some, but when I take a step back and say, apart from these four reasons, that means the pastor, the worship experience, the sense of belonging, or the sovereignty of God, what exactly is at work that makes this happen? And here's the reason, that there's a theory called the social exchange theory. And in the world of sociology, Mm -hmm. someone gains something 
from being in your world that they can't gain from being in their own. So what's at work, whether at Christ Church, the congregation I serve, or other racially diverse churches, that the social exchange theory is very evident. People are gaining something. So if if I'm going to build a a cross-cultural relationship with people, that means they have to gain something from being with me that they can't gain from being with others like themselves. I see. So in the cultural sort of mishmash that we live in today, Pastor, when something happens, when um, Trayvon Martin uh, is killed or when hashtag Black Lives Matters is, you know, trending on Twitter, do you from the pulpit talk about this or is this for small groups or Bible study? How does that work? You know, where there's the cultural racial uh, divide and then the church overlaying on top of that? question, John, and the answer is yes, I talk about it publicly. If I don't, it hurts the the health of the racially diverse congregation. And I say that because it's like dieting. You can't just diet once and then you're, you're good. This is a lifestyle thing. And the same way, racial diversity is such a tender issue that when something happens publicly that is very wide scale and pervasive, if a leader that is recognized by that church and respected by that church doesn't stand up and say something to help uh, anchor people into this this role of saying, I want to be a part of a diverse relationship and yeah. congregation, and then you're going to find it being splintered and fragmented. What about opportunities to for two sides of an issue to engage. So I'm thinking about hashtag Black Lives Matter. Uh, People feel strongly on both sides of that. People feel like, oh, you know, I'm totally behind the the movement of Black Lives Matter. And other people say, well, all lives matter. I don't understand why we're doing Black Lives Matter. Is there a a place in your church where where people can can talk through those things, a place that's safe and open? We have small groups, and in those small groups, we call them life groups, people have those kinds of conversations. In fact, part of healing and part of coming into any kind of cross-race relationship that makes it healthy is that one of the signs, because there are eight indicators of a healthy cross-race relationship, one of those indicators is, is vulnerable conversations. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. If, there's no place, if there's no place for people to have vulnerable conversations on those kinds of thorny issues where someone may say something that sounds prejudiced, it sounds stupid, it sounds ignorant, if they don't have a safe place to communicate those things, then you'll never be able to have healthy relationships that are cross-racial. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point because, you know, this is a recurring subject on our show that we become easily placed into camps. And I I think the beauty of the church is that the church is supposed to get us out of those camps and realize that we're Christians first before we're in any camp. Absolutely. In fact, that was the whole debate that took place in the Galatians 2 experience with Paul and Peter. Peter wasn't comfortable in a cross-race relationship. It was evident because when Jewish guys came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, Peter started to pull away from the Gentile believers, and Paul confronted them publicly. And so Paul had to help him understand that, wait a second, your Jewish heritage must submit itself to your relationship with Jesus. And you can't be monocultural when you've been called into a diverse world and diverse society to influence people. Amen to that. Well, Dr. Ireland, uh, this is certainly necessary and vital work. We appreciate your time. Please come back and let's do this some more. We We love this conversation. My pleasure, John Cathy. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. Really, it's ours. Uh, One in Christ, bridging racial and cultural divides, Dr. David Ireland. 
Information about that on our Facebook page, The Ride Home with John and Kathy. Hey, it's Allie. You may have heard me talking about the YP10 weight loss system by Slim Me One. I lost 25 pounds in 30 days about five years ago, and I've talked to people for years who had incredible results. I'm here with Kevin, one of the creators of the YP10 weight loss system. Allie, you and I talking, as you talked on the radio for years about this program, people would come up to you on the weekends and live events, and they'd kind of give you that whisper and say, hey, Allie, tell me the real story about YP10, because they didn't think it was really real. It happened all the time, and the reality is, is that I was the biggest non believer and then after doing the program and losing 25 pounds in 30 days my husband lost 30 pounds i had friends and co-workers that were losing incredible weight and then listeners that i spoke to for years that were calling and raving it's an exciting way to lose weight and the most important thing is that it works the yp10 weight loss system by slimming one is so good it has a guarantee you can lose up to 15 pounds in 30 days or get your money back check out those details and order your yp10 at slimmy1.com that's s-l-i-m-m-e the number one dot com For over 35 years, First Baptist Christian School of Butler has quietly offered parents one of the most affordable, high-quality Christian educations around. A complete education from pre-K through 12th grade with free busing, smaller classes, an extremely high teacher-student ratio, competitive athletics, and SAT scores well above the national average. Think an affordable Christian education is beyond your reach? Think again. First Baptist Christian School of Butler at butlerfbcs.com. Rome, the Vatican, the Sistine Chapel. Here's your chance to see it all, including airfare and a private tour with the Pope sweepstakes at myvaticanvacation.com. And discover the history of the Vatican in the new CNN original series, Pope, the Most Powerful Man in History, Sunday nights at 10, Eastern and Pacific. For official rules and your chance to win, log on now to myvaticanvacation.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited. Open to legal residents of 48 contiguous states in D.C. at least 18 years of age. Sweepstakes ends 4.15 at midnight. Odds depend on the number of entries received. Sponsored by Grace Hill Media. Okay, so tomorrow is uh, St. Patty's Day. Mm -hmm. Have you been to the parade? Yes, one time. One time. Never again. Why? Why? Was it a bad experience? It's, no. It's, that was a fine experience. I'm not a parade kind of gal. You don't like gal. a parade? Wait, no. wait a second. Wait. You go down regular. When the pens win the cup? Are you down? That's a whole different kind of parade, friends. That's a parade. Okay, I like those parades, but not. I like a good pens parade. I like a good Steeler parade, and I'd like to see in my lifetime a good pirate parade. It's not going to happen anytime soon. Okay, so. Uh, but I'm not a par- like. Uh, but you, well, how about your kids? Then you, let's no. go to the parade, mom and dad. Heck no. So now they don't like parades because you don't like parades. Pretty much. Oh, that's a joke. Just because they never went to one. Yeah. Think, is that a failure in your parenting style? Uh, probably. Probably it is. I think so. I just can't stand all the people. There's so many people. And I, you know, why You can't? go to the Penn's Cup t- two years in a row. But that's special because but, it's huge civic pride and victory for the team. Don't you like a marching band? Don't yeah, you want to I wait like to the politicians? Band. No. That's what a parade is? You know. I looked up some uh, information about four-leaf clovers today, John. Oh, so there's a segue. Well, but, I was wondering about four-leaf clovers yeah. because I thought, you know, I'm looking over a four-leaf clover that I never overlooked before. You know the song, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, and I thought, mm-hmm. is that a rare thing? A four-leaf clover. I mean, it's supposed to be super rare, but how how rare is it? Have you ever found one? No, I've never seen one. Okay. okay, so this is what I learned today. It's just This is cursory research. No one's sure how the four fourth leaf happens some people think it's caused genetically or environmentally Mm -hmm. but it is relatively rare one out of five thousand clovers really are four leaf whoa Mm -hmm. so they're thinking of it could suggest a possible recessive gene appearing 
at low frequency. In, uh, at low frequency. Mm-hmm. That's Radio what it is. frequency. Yeah. So it used to be uh, apparently conventionally thought that it was one in 10,000. Oh. But that's not right. So recent research says, no, it's actually one in 5,000. So, so it's rare, but yeah. it's not that rare. I Imagine mean, I should, have seen, I should have seen, what, counting? Yeah, statistical analysis of four-leaf clovers. Mm-hmm. And you put your head on your pillow and you feel good about it. I would have a hard time right. with that. Did you know that it's not just limited to four because there are five-leaf clovers? Whoa. Yes. So that's like- Did you know that five-leaf clovers are less commonly found naturally than four-leaf clovers? However, for someone that knows what they're doing, you can cultivate that. Nice. You can make your own. It's like Barbara Streisand and the dogs. That's the Ride Home Four Leaf Clover <laughs> update. Many thanks, Kathy Evans. <laughs> Luck of the Irish to you and yours. Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. The death toll remains at six in the collapse of that walking bridge over a busy highway by Florida International University near Miami. The deadly collapse has cast a spotlight on a rapid construction technique widely used around the U.S. It's called Accelerated Bridge Construction, or ABC. It involves assembling large sections of a span off-site and then moving the massive pieces into place. Engineer Andy Herman says the technique used is not that new. Accelerated bridge construction has been used for many years. I believe it started out in Utah, and a number of states have picked up on it because they're looking to get the construction done faster with less disruption to the public. The company that designed the pedestrian bridge is also the same company that designed the new Interstate 35W bridge in Minnesota after that old span collapsed more than 10 years ago. On Wall Street, that up by 73 points, the Nasdaq unchanged. This is SRN News. John Van Pay, pastor and author of the new book, Marathon Faith. Surrendering your life to Jesus is the greatest decision you'll ever make. But that's just the starting line. Many of us begin our spiritual races of following Jesus with unrealistic expectations that hinder us from crossing the finish line. Every faith journey encounters obstacles. Just open the Bible. And my new book, Marathon Faith, Motivation from the Greatest Endurance Runners of the Bible, I write about how men and women of faith overcame obstacles and how you can do the same. Along with scriptural references, I include my own life experiences about endurance running. When things get tough, let God help you endure your race so you too can finish well. Order your copy of author John Van Pay's compelling new book, Marathon Faith, Motivation from the Greatest Endurance Runners of the Bible, at Amazon and at barnesandnoble.com. Hi, I'm Darla from Centos. Oh, thank goodness you're here. We have so much to do. I need fire extinguishers, right? We'll place them for you and be out for regular inspection. Great. And what about my new hires? We'll get them into uniforms and keep them looking sharp. What about this first aid cabinet? Fully stocked. It wasn't this morning. It is now. And so are the restrooms. Wow. Cintas really seems to know what we need. You said it. Oh, I'm ready. Learn how Cintas can help you get ready for the workday. Visit Cintas.com. Showcase your business, meet local customers, and make new connections at the 2018 Pittsburgh North Regional Home Show and Business Expo, Friday, March 16th from 4 to 8 p.m., and Saturday, March 17th from 11 to 4 at the Block Northway, formerly Northway Mall. Free and open to the public, this annual event brings hundreds of local customers and over 70 area businesses together. A Pittsburgh North Regional Chamber of Commerce event. Details at pghnorthchamber.com. 
I'm Todd Chapman with Food for the Poor, and I want to thank you for the amazing outpouring of love during our campaign to save starving children in Haiti. During this month-long campaign, we're endeavoring to save over 900 kids. These are kids who are going days without eating. They're drinking contaminated water, water that can make them sick or could even kill them. But friends, your gifts of love and compassion are making a difference in this despair, in this hopelessness. You're giving food for a year and water for life through the ministry of Food for the Poor. It's food and water that comes hand-in-hand with the love of Christ because it's administered by pastors, by ministries right there on the ground in Haiti. We're more than halfway to our goal, but friends, we still need your help. Would you give a loving gift right now to save kids? $50 provides food for a year and water for life for one child. And we have a special matching partner on board to double your gifts. Please call now with your generous gift. 855-828-4673. 855-828-HOPE. 855-828-4673. You can also give online by clicking the Give Life banner at wordfm.com. Mostly clear for the evening hours tonight, and clouds will be increasing later on, low 21. For tomorrow, a mixture of snow, ice, and rain south of the city in the morning. Little to no accumulation. Clouds will break for some sunshine in the afternoon. High 43 degrees. Clear and cold tomorrow night, 23. Plenty of sunshine and milder Sunday, high 51. I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle on AM 1250, The Answer. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John Cappy for Friday, March 16th. Coming up this hour, Larry Norman, Why Does the Devil Have All the Good Music? The film I Can Only Imagine opens today. We talk with the artist on which the story of the film is based, Bart Millard, creative force behind the band Mercy Me. They'll never unfriend you, but they might dislike you. John Hall and Kathy Emmons. <laughs> Sorry. Just being honest. I mean. I mean, you know, but you can join our Facebook page. Okay. You can follow us on Twitter. Yeah. Okay, so that's interesting. Uh, this this hour essentially is filled with uh, guests talking about music. So Bart Millard, who is the creative spark behind Mercy Me, there's this brand new film, I Can Only Imagine. It's uh, premiered today uh, across theaters in the United States. It's a gigantic, uh, gigantic guy in the contemporary Christian music scene. That song alone, I Can Only Imagine, right? right many right. hundreds of millions would go, I love that song. Okay, maybe not hundreds of millions, but many millions. Mm-hmm. And yet it's hard for us to realize or or think that there was a time when the church and popular music had absolutely no relationship. Right. When you would say Christian music, you would think a hymn. Right. You'd think Just As I Am Without One Plea because you heard George Beverly Shea sing it at a Billy Graham crusade. Right. But there was no – I mean now we're, whether you like it or not, you know, popular Christian music or CCM or whatever you want to call it is – all over the place. Yeah, so you can turn on whatever, you know, you can listen to our station on weekends or you can listen to another station and hear this, that, and the other thing. So Christian music is just something that's part of our yeah. musical awareness. Now, now, I'm older than you by more than a decade. And I remember being a kid, a Catholic schoolboy, and, you know, raised in that, you know, the hymn tradition, you know, smells and bells and all that. And the first time I heard the song back in the late 60s, Jesus is just all right with me. Right, um, the Doobie Brothers. Yeah, and I and I got excited, thinking, "Oh my goodness, that is so cool!" You did okay, oh, so that's how someone's singing about Jesus, and it's like catchy, and it made me feel kind of you know special and hip because I love Jesus, and I thought I can't believe this is people are actually doing that. What so that kind of val- would it validate you? Uh, maybe uh, it just 
it was, you know, it's the radio. So I turned on the radio. I'm not listening to, you know, Oh, Come Thou Font of G. I'm listening to pop music. And all of a sudden, Jesus is culturally relevant. So I got excited by that. I wanted to associate with that. All right, let's welcome into the program um, our friend and author, Dr. Gregory Allen Thornberry. He's president of the King's College in New York City, speaker on faith, pop culture, and cultural trends. You can see his work all over the place. Uh, we've met him a couple times. He was just in Pittsburgh last year. But his newest project is, I'm telling you, if you're a music fan, if you're a CCM fan, if you just want to understand what the culture of the 1960s was like and do a, a quick compare and contrast between today's culture. I mean, there are so many similarities. The, the new book is called Larry Norman. Why does the devil have all the good music? Oh, so here's Larry Norman. From a paper cup. You drown your sorrows till you can't stand up. Take a look at what you've done to yourself. Why don't you, you put the bottle back on the shelf? Yellow finger from your cigarettes. Your hands are shaking while your body sweats. Why don't you look into Jesus? He got the answer. Yeah. Larry Norman, that's a pretty good song. What year was that? Any idea? I bet Greg Thornberry knows. Greg, welcome in. How are you? It's great to talk to you guys again. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you. Uh, All right, so what year did that come out, Why Why Don't You Look Into Jesus was actually written uh, in the late 1960s by Larry Norman, and it was a song written for Janis Joplin. Larry Norman was opening up for Janis Joplin at a big concert uh, called the Human Bn in San Francisco. Uh, other bands that were there were uh, people like The Doors and Jimi Hendrix and uh, Santana. And he was sharing the stage with these people, and he saw Janis Joplin standing on stage, uh, you know, knowing that she was a heroin addict, and there was a bottle of Southern Comfort whiskey at the foot of the microphone stand and a Dixie cup. And his heart went out to her, and so he wrote that song, Why Don't You Look Into Jesus? He's Got the Answer. So that song was actually recorded and put out in 1972, the version that you just heard, uh, on a record called Only Visiting This Planet, which was on a major secular record label, MGM Verve. And um, Billboard magazine at that time when that record came out called Larry Norman probably the most important songwriter since Paul Simon. Wow. So there was a time when Christians were actually relevant in the uh, secular music scene and were not uh, sequestered off into this little subculture. I see. So for Greg, for you, what's, what's the fascination with Larry Norman? Why now? Well, I mean, first of all, he was a pioneer. There was no such thing as Christian contemporary music or Christian rock before he came along. He was the first one. His album on Capitol Records in 1969, uh, Upon This Rock, uh, launched that whole uh, genre. Not only that, but really the Jesus movement, which was a national phenomenon. We forget that there was a time right after the Death of God movement in the 1960s where a Pied Piper like Larry Norman and other people like uh, Arthur Blessett and uh, and others were uh, leading a massive nationwide revival that started in Southern California uh, with the ministry of people like Larry Norman and caught the nation by storm. Uh, Time, Newsweek, Life Magazine all caught the phenomenon. And um, it's hard to remember a time when uh, there was this, uh, there was this incredible focus of artistry 
and uh, competitiveness. Larry Norman was, was not like a lot of Christian artists where he crossed his fingers and hoped that someday he might have uh, the chance to be on a secular record label after putting out a bunch of records on obscure Christian labels. He was uh, someone who was very well known in the rock community. Paul McCartney said, I love your music, Larry. And uh, Bob Dylan was a fan. And uh, current artists like Bono and Black Francis from Pixies, uh, the great alternative group, uh, Black Francis endorsed my book. Uh, Larry Norman was somebody that was one of a kind. He was a trailblazer. He was uh, a wild boar in Christ's vineyard. And he was doing something very, very unique. At that time, and Kathy mentioned this at the top of the show, the church didn't want to have anything to do with uh, rock and roll. The the flatted third in the pentatonic blues scale was called the Devil's Interval. They said it's African drum music, it's evil, it's wicked, don't let your kids listen to it. You would bring your records to the church and have them burned. And on the other side, you had the secular music industry that was incredibly popular. The whole youth culture was going after it, and nobody was speaking to these kids. Mm-hmm. And so here's Larry Norman on Capitol Records, MGM Records, hugely distinguished in his own field, and yet talking about Jesus. And Paul McCartney said to him, man, you could be such a superstar if you just shut up about religion. Mm-hmm. But he kept talking about Jesus. Mm-hmm. We need to step away. But when we come back, um, we're going to continue our conversation with author Greg Thornberry. We're talking about his brand new book, Larry Norman, Why Does the Devil Have All the Good Music? There was a time in America of cataclysmic change in the 60s. We had the assassination of leaders. We had the Vietnam War, Man on the Moon. I mean, life was changing around us. Um, What did Christian popular music speak into that? And how did it give a voice to a different generation? That's next on today's Right Home. W-O-R-D. Every day, people just like you save lives through their gifts to Food for the Poor. I can't imagine what it feels like as a parent to remove your kids from the living conditions they were in, the danger. There's nothing more fearful in a mom's heart than something to happen to your children. And I can't imagine what it was like to live like that day in and day out. So the peace that they must feel for their kids is incredible. It's incredible what we worry about in the States in comparison to what keeps them up at night. Our struggles are nothing. Would you save kids now? Just call 855-828-4673. 855-828-4673. Or give online at wordfm.com. Did you know the decline of marriage is our most ignored national crisis? This is Dr. David Stevens of the Christian Medical Association. The poverty rate for single-parent families is six times that of married families. I encourage you, focus on practical ways to strengthen marriages in your church and your community. It is the most basic and significant social relationship for your health and the health of our society. Okay, Easter is coming, and at least in our family, our menus are starting to take shape. Oh, my menu has taken shape, has man. It? And it always includes a smoked ham from the spring house. I mean, it always does. Marsha, I got to be honest. It's to this point, none of my family and friends will come if I don't have one of your hams. Yeah. Are you serious? I don't yeah. want, listen, I don't want to celebrate alone. Yeah. They become essentially spring house snobs. Yeah. Marcia. They like the ham more than me. They have. 
All right, Marsha. That <laughs> ham. Not that ham. We want the Springhouse ham. <laughs> Kathy, we can take or leave. All right. Tell us, Marsh, uh, what do you guys have planned for Easter? Okay, so... Of course, we're taking Easter orders already, and it's amazing how many we have already. We were looking at that stack this morning, like people are really on the ball this year. Nice. <laughs> and we've got a we've got a fun purple Easter sheet. It's actually on our website, so they can check out what kind of things we're I'm going to be featuring for Easter, including our wonderful hickory smoked hams. Mm. And, and you know, I'm a, I'm a ham snob too. I I have not ever tasted a ham like our ham. No, no there is I agree. I'm, I'm, I mean that. That's exactly. This is true. not a sell. This is like the real thing. Yeah, it sure is. Real thing, but we have some other fun things coming up too. So not this weekend, but next weekend, we're hoping the sun shines and it warms up because it's our annual Easter egg hunt on Saturday and our Palm Sunday feast on Sunday. Both of those are really fun events, and no reservations needed for either one. Um, our Easter egg hunts are ten and twelve and two on Saturday. Seven dollars an egg hunter. They get to decorate a cookie, visit all kinds of baby chicks and ducks and bunnies and calves. All kinds of fun stuff like that. We'll do some singing. Then they get to hunt eggs in the cow pasture. We have a prize for everybody. We have a great meal inside, too, so people can come in and um, feast on all kinds of good stuff inside. And then on Sunday, we have a really special Palm Sunday feast to celebrate that special day in our in our Christian heritage. Outstanding. It sounds like a lot of fun and great excitement. Marsha, so people can call now. Now, look, in, in our family, we're going to go to my sister's house, but we've been tasked with bringing the desserts. Let's talk a little second about the desserts. Okay, already. How about coconut cream pie? That's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, he's super serious. Oh, that's good stuff. I've had the spring house, yeah. Stuff. That's fabulous stuff. Yeah, I think last time you were here, you had that, didn't you, I, I did. Yes, I, I did. Think the, that I, you for a I, think, bit? I think the next time he's going to be there, he's going to have that, yeah, Marsh. exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, it's an every time thing. Yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It is. Okay, so you can call, right? You can order ham. You can also order desserts as well, yeah? Yep, yes. All kinds of yummy stuff on there. Fabulous. Give a phone number, Marsh, okay? Sure. 724-228-3339. Or you can check us out at springhousemarket.com and see all the goodies that we're featuring for Easter this year. Very nice. Listen, we are not kidding. That ham, that's incredible. Coconut cream pie, yes please, the Springhouse. If you're a mom or dad of a child who struggles, you've searched high and low trying everything you can. From tutors to counselors, specialists to pills, you've tried them all with little success. You need to know there is a program that has helped tens of thousands of kids just like yours. Brain Balance Achievement Centers can make a real difference for your child. Brain Balance is a drug-free solution that deals with the root cause of issues like ADHD, dyslexia, audio processing, and behavioral challenges. Our combination of sensory motor exercises, academic skill building, and a clean eating plan doesn't just mask the issues, but gets to the root of the problem. If your child has trouble making friends, is disruptive in school, or is frustrated to the point of tantrums, now is the time to call Brain Balance Achievement Centers. Learn more at brainbalance.com or call 724-390-9012 today. For over 35 years, First Baptist Christian School of Butler has quietly offered parents one of the most affordable, high-quality Christian educations around. A complete education from pre-K through 12th grade with free busing, smaller classes, an extremely high teacher-student ratio, competitive athletics, and SAT scores well above the national average. Think an affordable Christian education is beyond your reach? Think again. 
First Baptist Christian School of Butler at butlerfbcs.com. I, Luke, send a message to all those that follow our Lord Jesus Christ. From the studio that brought you Risen and War Room comes Paul, Apostle of Christ. There are men, women, children that will never meet you. There must be a handwritten account of your acts. Their faith challenged an empire. What do you really know about these Christians? I am concerned with these documents. Their words change the world. Love is the only way. Paul, Apostle of Christ, starring Jim Caviezel, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. In theaters March 23rd, go to paulmovie.com. That's the music of Larry Norman, the president of King's College in New York City. Dr. Gregory Allen Thornberry joins us. His brand new book is called Larry Norman, Why Does the Devil Have All the Good Music? Uh, I'll tell a quick story. I'm one of seven kids. I'm next to the youngest of seven kids. And my brother, uh, my only brother, is six years older than me. So in uh, 1971, I believe, my brother uh, had served in the military uh, in the early to late 60s, came back and was done with the military and grew his hair long. So essentially in 1971, my brother, even though he had served in Vietnam, was a hippie. And uh, my family uh, was invited to uh, a place uh, up in Lake Erie at a cottage. And we all went up and, and spent uh, the weekend there. And like we were good churchgoers, we all went to church on Sunday morning. Now, at the time, my brother's hair was probably halfway down of his, his back. And again, 1971. But I remember being in this church and being a very young kid. I bet you I was 11 or maybe 12 years old. And as we're worshiping, and the, the, the pastor that is, is preaching, he literally came down out of the pulpit and stood next to my brother and started preaching to my brother about the evils of the culture. I mean, I, I didn't know what was going on. My sisters, my very uh, strong-willed sisters, um, they got up, and I thought one of them was going to punch the pastor. Instead, they took me and my other siblings by the hands, and we walked out of that church in the middle of service. Now, I tell the story only to illustrate how vitriolic the culture was at the mm. time to, in air quotes, so-called hippies, and my brother's representation of that, even though he was a veteran and had served his country in Vietnam. And it's hard for us, I think, in some ways to look back at that time and not remember what exactly the country was going through. Yeah. All right, Greg. So you hear that story. This is the world that Larry Norman had grown up in. And he was at the forefront of rock music when this kind of relationship between church and parishioner was going on. Yeah, I mean, Larry saw that exact kind of situation, and he grew up in a church and said, you know, uh, why are we building nice little churches uh, with multi-million dollar buildings when there's the poor out on the streets, and uh, why are we closing ourselves off to an entire generation of young people who are seeking for something more? The kids that were part of the Vietnam uh, War culture, uh, whether they served or not, that story is heartbreaking. And Larry stood in the gap for them as a as a buffer and a bulwark between uh, the church and the world, and said, "You don't have to give up on Jesus uh, in order to, um, you know." be someone that that knows who you are and, and, and appreciates the arts and culture. 
and stands against American warmongering and institutional racism and a lack of concern for, for justice. And he became uh, a beacon of hope and light to several generations uh, of young people, not just at that time of the Jesus movement, but throughout the 1970s and, and 80s. Anywhere I go speak, and it's mentioned that I've written a book on Larry Norman, there's somebody that comes up and says, his music meant so much to mm-hmm. me at a really critical time in my life. And the line that comes to my mind, based upon the story you just told, John, was his most one of his most famous songs, Why Should the Devil Have All the Good Music? Uh, he says, uh, they say to cut my hair, they're driving me insane, I grew it out long to make room for my brain. Sometimes people don't understand what's a Christian doing in a rock and roll band. <laughs> But, but Greg, the, the side that the church was trying to uphold was the side of morality, right? The, the side of decency. And, and the hippie movement was trying to deconstruct all of that. Right. I mean, and Greg, we talked about this today. You look at, you know, uh, 20 years, 1945 to 1965, you know, America had essentially just saved the world. But then in the mid-60s, all, you know, there was an explosion. I mean, JFK had already been, ki- been killed. The Vietnam War was just, you know, really ramping up. MLK and, had been killed. Right. Man I mean, was not on the yet. Moon. MLK was, you know, pretty soon. And, you know, Bobby Kennedy. Man, there was this huge turmoil. And the church found itself in the middle of it. But, you know, the way the church had responded, you know, for centuries was, we are the church. We're not going to change. We don't need to change. Culture needs to bend to us, not vice versa. No, that was exactly their mentality, and it was one of the reasons why Martin Luther King Jr. had to write a letter from a Birmingham jail to white Southern pastors and say, if the church does not recapture the sacrificial spirit of the uh, the early Christian community and the apostolic uh, witness of uh, ancient uh, centuries past, it will uh, be regarded as nothing more than an irrelevant social club for the 20th century. And uh, that's exactly what was happening in the 60s. The culture was changing very fast, and the church said, um, you know, uh, we both stand on the promises and sit on the premises, and uh, we're not going to change. You're going to have to come to us. And what they found was uh, uh, a whole generation of young people leaving and going elsewhere for answers whether it was the Beatles to their Maharishi Mahesh Yogis or whether it was other kinds of New Age religion. And so uh, someone like Larry Norman could write a song like Forget Your Hexagram and, and say, listen, you're, you're consulting Ouija boards and going to tarot card readers and, and uh, you're looking at the stars to figure out what you should do for your life. Somebody had to tell them about the good news of Jesus. And at the time, Larry was the only person doing it. He was out on the streets of Hollywood, you know, after he left his job at Capitol Records, you know, talking to, you know, streetwalkers and and prostitutes and drug addicts and really people that the church would have nothing to do with. And some of those people not only got converted, but started huge Christian ministries like Susan Perlman, who was one of those you know, lost kids that Larry found on the streets of Los Angeles, and she went on to start Jews for Jesus with Moishe Rosen. Hmm. So um, we we forget that there was a time when the the church felt like they didn't have to uh, speak to culture, that uh, they could could just uh, sit back and everything would stay the same as it ever was. And what they found was... uh, 
there was a revolution happening out in the streets. Right. But, Greg, let's talk about Larry Norman himself, though, because it wasn't like he was, you know, 15 years old and thought, I want to be the person who's going to bridge the gap between the church and popular music, right? It was a, it happened organically. I mean, it was just from reading your book, he seems like a kind of guy. He's musically talented. He's prodigious in his output. He's noticed early. He signs a record deal, but he can't forget about Jesus. He can't stop singing and writing about Jesus. Yeah, uh, the story is that uh, he was in a band that had a top 20 hit in uh, 1968. Uh, The band was called People, exclamation point, and uh, they were getting pretty popular. They were signed to Capitol Records, and uh, the rest of the band members, or several of the band members, became Scientologists, and uh, they they, uh, saw Larry as a suppressive person, to use uh, L. Ron Hubbard's uh, phrase. And so they wanted him to leave the band because Larry wanted to call their first record, uh, We Need a lot, Whole Lot More of Jesus and a Lot Less uh, Rock and Roll. And uh, Capitol Records said, mm, we don't like that. We don't want you talking about religion. So actually, I think Larry was wanting to do it m- much earlier on, and he wasn't satisfied just writing songs about, you know, Girl, I Love You and Surfing USA, you know, there in Southern California. He wanted to write songs that connected with the, the despair and loneliness and anxiety of people in his generation. So some of his songs are just straight-up love songs. But he felt like that spiritual longing could be addressed with a form of popular music that actually came from the church. This is the irony. Larry knew that rhythm and blues, which rock and roll is based upon, was discovered in the black church in the South. That's where Elvis got it. That's where Sam Cooke was in a gospel quartet before he became a, really? you know, multi Yes, absolutely. Go back and listen to some great stuff. So rock and roll came from gospel music, and gospel, you know, rhythm and blues came from gospel music, came from that black Pentecostal church tradition. And Larry's like, why should the devil have that? Why should he co-opt that? The only, the only answer would be it's maybe racism that that uh, you would not expl- uh, allow black music into your church. So uh, I'm going to steal it back. We'll take a quick break. We're talking with Greg Thornberry. Greg is the president of the King's College in New York City. His brand new work, excellent, called Larry Norman, Why Does the Devil Have All the Good Music? Stick with us. Greg Thornberry is as well. We'll see you in just a few minutes. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Christian Faith Publishing helps thousands of authors just like you publish their books with a company dedicated to strong Christian values. To help you get started, we want to send you our free author submission kit. Christian Faith Publishing reviews every book submitted to us. And if your book is approved, we'll edit, design, copyright, protect, print, and distribute your book online and in bookstores everywhere. Imagine seeing your book in specialty Christian bookstores, Amazon, iTunes, Barnes & Noble, and many others. It could happen, and it all starts with one 
one call to Christian Faith Publishing at 800-566-1012 for your free author submission kit. If you have a novel, children's book, poetry, biography, or any inspirational work you've written, we can help you get it published today. Shouldn't you work with a publisher who shares your Christian values of integrity and honesty? You can get your book published. So call for your free author submission kit right now. Call 800-566-1012. That's 800-566-1012. 800-566-1012. Amazing song. You know, I've never told anybody my story. From Irwin Brothers Entertainment comes I Can Only Imagine. When I was uh, 11 years old, life was tough. Discover the untold story behind the beloved song that inspired millions. My dad was a monster, and I saw God transform him, so I wrote this song for my dad. I Can Only Imagine. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Now playing. Go to ICanOnlyImagine.com. Discover Eden Christian Academy and discover an exceptional education where solid academics and authentic faith prepare students to step confidently into the future. See what the largest non-denominational pre-K through 12th grade Christian school in the North Hills has to offer. From Whippeo Athletics to Fine Arts, service activities and more. Eden Christian Academy, Christ-centered, student-focused and mission-true since 1983. Visit EdenChristianAcademy.org. Mostly clear for the evening hours tonight, and clouds will be increasing later on, low 21. For tomorrow, a mixture of snow, ice, and rain south of the city in the morning. A little to no accumulation. Clouds will break for some sunshine in the afternoon. High 43 degrees. Clear and cold tomorrow night, 23. Plenty of sunshine and milder Sunday, high 51. I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle on AM 1250, The Answer. I want the people to know that Exactly. Greg Thornberry's with us. His brand new work is called that. Larry Norman, why does the devil have all the good music? All right. So, Greg, up to this point, we've we've kind of you know, for people who don't know anything about Larry Norman, we've talked about him like he's a choir boy, yeah. like he's like the he's like the rock <laughs> version of William Carey or something. Right. Like he's just uh, <laughs> he was so sweet and kind. But the fact of the matter is, he was a wild thing, wasn't he? Yeah, he was uh, evangelicalism's one and only wild child. Um, not wild in the sense uh, during the the height of his career, yeah. of uh, you know, in the sense of any sort of um, scandal. You know, uh, scandal um, that comes later on <laughs> at, the, at the very end of his uh, at the very end of his life. But he definitely was polarizing. Um, he he was. Um, he was really an artist, uh, so everything that you could expect of someone like a, a, a Picasso or um, an Andy Warhol is the you know you might find of of Larry Norman. He he had big dreams. He wanted to build an artist colony. He wanted to produce other Christian artists. He wanted to change the way the church thought about culture, and um, he uh, he definitely upset some people along the way and he did some he did some unconventional things so for example um his his third solo record called so long ago the garden did not contain a lot of explicit references to to Jesus or or the bible 
actually it was Billy Graham and Francis Schaeffer that said, you know, if you can make it as a big secular rock star, maybe more people will be open to your witness about Jesus. And so he he released so long ago The Garden on MGM Verve Records, and he was basically nude on, on the front of the cover, but there was like a, a superimposed scene from uh, the from Zimbabwe, one of the uh, hilarious photographs from Zimbabwe with a lion on it. Now, he meant to communicate this is Adam in the garden, and the heart of Aslan is sort of burning, you know, back there. You know, it was it was metaphorical. But at that time, boy, you know, people, even in the Jesus movement, they thought, oh, this is too far. This is too artsy. Larry Norman's, you know, fallen away from, from the Lord. They were mad when he said, I don't want to make money off of Jesus. I just want to be a musician, and I want to I want to talk to people that's never heard about Jesus. I don't want to be in this weird little Christian subculture. I don't want to be a professional God talker. Man, that made people mad. Mm-hmm. Greg, there is a, a a a part in your book that I found really memorable. It's a it's a story that Larry Norman is recounting uh, about a conversation he had with his dad, and this is early on when he's like maybe a late teen or maybe in his early 20s. And he's talking, you know, he's asking, you know, his dad, you know, why is there suffering in the world? And his dad says, well, that's because Adam and Eve, you know, met the serpent in the garden and they said yes to the serpent and no to God. And he said, no, no, no. But like, what, a, what, a, like, what does it mean though? Why is there so su- Anyway, the conversation went on. And two were just seeing things differently. At the end of it, Larry says, here's the problem with my dad and I. And the reason we could never talk is because my dad had all the right answers, but didn't know any of the reasons. And I read that and I, I underlined it, I highlighted it, I wrote it down because I, that is the problem we're in today with the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S, looking at their parents who, you know, for decades, you know, put the Republican Party and Christianity together. And, you know, now in, in the era of Trump, the kids are disillusioned and they're saying, what, you know, my parents have the right answers, but they don't know any of the reasons. Do you see that do you see a link between that time and this time? Absolutely. I mean, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think Larry Norman was the forerunner of the spiritual nuns and those in this generation that says, we're not saying that there's not something substantive about uh, Jesus or the Bible, but what we don't want to see is faith being the same thing as ideology. And if it's just ideology, then it's just about politics. And if it's just about politics, that means it's probably not timeless and true. Mm-hmm. And to know the questions behind the answers, you know, um, you, you have to listen. Every culture has a, a, a question that only the gospel can answer. But what we try to do is we just try to spit out all of our answers without really listening to the question. And we can maybe, in best-case scenario, make a gospel presentation without really listening to what the person's major point of suffering in their life is. And uh, that takes uh, the the ear of an artist. Um, the, the, the task of interpretation of culture in our time is the difficulty of the art of listening. And that's one thing that Larry Norman definitely saw at the church growing up with his with his father was this sort of tin ear to what was actually going on and just condemning people without 
actually understanding who they were and where they were coming from. And so he dedicated his life uh, to that cause. Interesting. Well, Greg, it's a fascinating look at a very particular time in American religious life and cultural life, and this collision that could only make the one-of-a-kind Larry Norman. We thank you so much for your storytelling and your scholarship. It truly is an excellent read, so congratulations on that. Thank you so much, John. Thank you, Kathy, for having me on the program. Pleasure's ours. Larry Norman, Why Does the Devil Have All the Good Music? Dr. Gregory Allen Thornberry, the president of King's College in New York City. Information about this excellent work on our Facebook page, The Ride Home with John and Kathy. Larry Norman, Why Does the Devil Have All the Good Music? Hey, Pittsburgh, the huge March sales event is going on right now at Calusi Chevrolet. Hi, this is Tunch Ilkin, and the best deals of the year are right now at Calusi. Now through the end of the month, you can get 0% APR financing for up to 72 months on select models or choose huge bonus cash savings over $10,000 on select models Silverados. Check them out online at Calusi.com. Serving the Pittsburgh area for 100 years. Chevrolet, find new roads. I'm Todd Chapman with Food for the Poor, and I want to thank you for the amazing outpouring of love during our campaign to save starving children in Haiti. During this month-long campaign, we're endeavoring to save over 900 kids. These are kids who are going days without eating. They're drinking contaminated water, water that can make them sick or could even kill them. But friends, your gifts of love and compassion are making a difference in this despair, in this hopelessness. You're giving food for a year and water for life through the ministry of Food for the Poor. It's food and water that comes hand-in-hand with the love of Christ because it's administered by pastors, by ministries right there on the ground in Haiti. We're more than halfway to our goal, but friends, we still need your help. Would you give a loving gift right now to save kids? $50 provides food for a year and water for life for one child. And we have a special matching partner on board to double your gifts. Please call now with your generous gift. 855-828-4673. 855-828-HOPE. 855-828-4673. You can also give online by clicking the Give Life banner at wordfm.com. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville has everything you need to protect your car or truck all winter long. Say goodbye to winter grind with an extreme detailing to help preserve the life and look of your vehicle. Got a new car? Protect your investment with TST Rust Remedy, the most effective rust control system you'll find anywhere. And spray-on bullet bed liners offer extreme protection tested in the most extreme conditions known to man. Call the Extreme Team now at 412-257-1006 or visit ExtremeTruck.net. 412-257-1006, ExtremeTruck.net. Hello. Have you ever wished you could have been in the room with Jesus and his disciples as he led them through the Last Supper? Many Christians know the Last Supper was actually a Passover meal called the Seder. Abraham here from Rock of Ages Messianic Jewish Congregation. You are invited to our Passover Seder where we will lead you through the Jewish traditions and show you how Jesus used them to explain his sacrifice and why we need him. Join us April 6th, 7th, or 8th. More info at Rock of MJC.org. That's Rock of Ages, MJC.org. Salem Media Group of Pittsburgh, parent company of this station, is looking for a full-time traffic assistant receptionist to work 30 hours a week, 11 to 5, Monday through Friday. Previous radio experience with order entry as a board operator or working with logs is a must, along with a knowledge of radio terminology and traffic procedures. Assist with order entry, log prep and reconciliation, and invoicing, plus front-end reception and other administrative duties. Apply now at wordfm.com slash jobs. Salem Media Group is an equal opportunity employer. Music is 
so important in many ways, I think, because it's so emotional, right? Um, music, emotions set the song. And so sometimes when you hear a song, you think, oh, it takes you a place that you could not necessarily have envisioned yourself. And such is the case with the song I Can Only Imagine. Remember the first time you heard it? I heard it back in 2001, and it just blew me out of the water. Our guest right now is Bart Millard, and Bart is the songwriter, the spark behind the band Mercy Me. Uh, the brand-new film, I Can Only Imagine, premieres nationwide next Friday, March 16th. Here to talk to us about that is Life and Times is Bart Millard himself. Bart, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Hey, so, Bart, um, besides having a major motion picture of your life being released next week, uh, what else is new? <laughs> oh, not much. Just hanging out. Uh, no, it, it's uh, we're you know we're uh, between that and we're on tour right now. It's right. Uh, it's pretty busy, but it's funny because the movie guys told us, "Hey, you could take some time off before it, the calm before the storm." So, and uh, from the, right before Thanksgiving to Valentine's Day, we have not done a single. We've been home, no work, no shows. Anything. Nice. So we've had a had a great time off, but how quickly you forget when you get back in the thick of things. Oh, I'm sure. Then this has got to be the apex, right? I mean, you, you wrote a book about uh, the song I Can Only Imagine. Now there's a major motion picture. The spotlight is a uh, hot white. Yeah, you know, it's it's weird because um, we genuinely, like, I think everybody thought that, okay, the movie's going to, it's going to be slow out of the gate, and if the movie's good and gets attention, then, you know, that's when things will kick in. Well, the thing that no one factored, I didn't know to think about this was like, well, we forgot about the fact that we, we've been promoting this movie for 18 years because of the song being written and out there Yeah, that the hype kicked in a little earlier than we thought. And so we thought we like, we're on tour and we're going to take two and a half weeks off after the movie to do all this stuff. Well, all this stuff has already started. And it's like, we don't know what to expect. Like just from the trailer and the little things that are out, like, we've been so stinking busy. We're like, man, what if it comes out and people actually like the movie? We cool. may be in trouble. Yeah, that's great. That's a good problem, right, to have. Now, listen, i, I got to be yeah, honest. Yeah. I saw a screener. I loved the film. I loved the I film. Know. I mean, Dennis Quaid, Cloris Leachman, uh, Michael Finley, who plays essentially you, yeah. all, all the way around. It's really, it's a powerhouse. I mean, to, to distill it down, the story's about a boy, uh, his dad, music, and Jesus, and the swirl of all that in the middle. Um, what, what's that like for you? When you, you know, you've been living this, like you said, this is your life. But then when you, the first time you sat down, I don't know, with, you know, whomever in a room, I don't know if it was a theater, and you saw that, what, what's, the, what's the reaction to that? Well, there, there are a few emotional moments. Like the first time I read the script was emotional. Um, the first time I went to see him film on set was emotional. I bet. And then, and then seeing, sitting down and seeing the movie with my wife alone for the first time was like, and, and each one was different. Like reading the script, it was this fear of, okay, the things I've been trying to bury my whole life, we're now, not only are we digging it up, we're about to put it on a big screen. And yeah. so as ready as you think you are, it's like, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a hard thing. And I knew they were doing a good job because the script alone was capping some really painful memories. And, that, and my whole thing when we talked about it was, look, if, if, I'm gonna, if we're going to go through this, we, you, it, we can't, it can't be low-hanging fruit. It can't be this kind of fluffy Christian film. Like I want people to understand how much of a monster my dad was to appreciate the redemption story. Yeah. And, and so the first conversation we had where they said, hey, we got to be careful not to be an R-rated movie. I knew we were on the right track. <laughs> and uh, and uh, they did a great job of walking that line, of showing how bad he was. And, 
And so reading the script, I was like, oh, no, like they're actually doing their job. Am I ready for this? And then watching Dennis on set play my father. And I can't the first imagine. Scene I walked, yeah, the first scene I walked in on was him being diagnosed with cancer, and it just it's like a punch in the face. Wow. I just, yeah, and to where I finally, after that and the fight scene, was they shoot out of sequence was afterwards. I was like, you know what? I just went for a drive and said, let me know. We're going to be like hugging things out. And one of those things, <laughs> I'll be back. And so then to finally see the movie with, uh, you know, in the first edit with my wife was like, it was a little bit of, you know, it was emotional because we were finally here to this point. And it's been an eight year journey from when I first approached me at making the movie. And um, so it was emotional on all different levels, but I was emotional more of like, they're, I think they did a great job of telling the story. So it was, it was a happy emotion, like not, Oh no, what have I done? Yeah. And, no. and then to, yeah, then to watch it with a crowd yeah. was like, and hear them respond to things. That was a whole nother thing. And so mm-hmm. yeah, there's been several layers of this. that's like, wow, it's been therapy along the way. No Ooh. doubt it is. I mean, it's public therapy, right? There's like you said, there's no yeah. hiding from this. So, so talk about that. I mean, you know, I mean, every guy, every boy has a dad story, but you know, when you see Dennis Quaid and Michael Finley on screen, I mean, to have lived that, to be a little boy, and to have your dad just be an absolute wild thing and crush you, that, I mean, I can't imagine what that, what is like. The, the good thing about this is when you see all these people around you, I mean, you know, your Grams and your friends, you know, Kent and Shannon, all that together, how blessed you were to have that center point. Because a lot of guys didn't have that, but there you were. That was this beautiful thing that was so thick and fat in you. Yeah, yeah, man, it was, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's something you don't prepare for. I mean, it's like, there's no manual to go, hey, this is what it's going to be like. Yeah. I'll tell you, like, watching it, it was, it was a mixed emotion. The fact that I have the friends that were in the story that are still a part of my life. I love could, that. Could experience that with yeah. me. And, but then at the same time, as a father, you know, like, I, you know, I don't, there's things I don't, as a father watching what I went through as a kid, I, I, you know, it, it's it, the things that maybe God protected me and I just it, to get through that. But to see like from the outside looking in going, how did you survive this? Yeah. Like it broke my heart as a father and, and to see my kids in tears, like my daughter, like cutting the circulation off my arms. She's holding me so tight. She's like, did this really happen? To really? You? Like, yeah, I start crying about that right now. Just to see her compassion towards me was something I'll never forget. I bet. I mean, because she, she she's like eight years old. Really? Wow. Yeah. And so as a kid, what do you know? Right? That's your reality. That's what you know. That's home. So th- right. that's how you got through it. Yeah. It's like being, it literally is like being blind at birth. Like, you know, my son was diagnosed with diabetes and he's two. He doesn't know, remember before diabetes. Yeah. And so sometimes the blessing and a curse, the blessing is, is like, he doesn't have to sit there and remember when he could eat all the pizza he wanted or whatever. But the curse is he doesn't understand the severity of what he has because it's all he's ever known. Mm. And he feels like a pretty good kid. And so, you know, so, yeah, I think being my whole life and my parents divorced when I was three, I didn't know what a whole family was or what a healthy, I'll tell you one, the one thing that, that hit me like a ton of bricks was I was, we went, my wife and I went through grief counseling about in the same eight year process of this movie on a totally separate storyline. We were getting counseling because my brother-in-law was killed years ago and we weren't dealing with it very well. Well, that therapy is what prepared me to show me my childhood is connected to my adulthood. And oh, that's fascinating. That prepared, me, wow. that prepared me for being able to share the movie, like to where I was in a healthy uh-huh. place. Oh, that's really interesting. Well, in that therapy, what's crazy is, is that I'm telling her, I'm like, I've got five kids. And, yeah. and uh, I was like, man, my kids can be jerks at home. Like they act up like crazy sometimes. It drives me crazy. 
They don't in public and other people's houses, but at home they're just nuts sometimes. And what are we doing wrong? And she's like, actually, you're doing a lot right because when your kids act up at home, it's because they feel it's a safe place to where they can they can act out their emotions and know that you won't love them any less or differently. Yeah. And she goes, it's actually a good thing because. And I realized I never knew that. I was a trained pet. I did not do anything at the risk of my dad being mad at me. Mm-hmm. So it's foreign to me. And so I'm sitting there in tears going, so you're saying that we're great parents because our kids are jerks at home? This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. I mean, yeah. Yeah. thank God for your wife, right? Because you had to learn how to be a dad. And she you know, gave, gave you that gift of working through this process. Oh, That's very no, cool. No question. Yeah. She's seen me out worse and for whatever reason still loves me. Excellent. Hey, um, so listen, I-, I love the film. I saw a screener a week or so ago. Uh, we're we're talking to Bart Millard. Uh, the film, I Can Only Imagine, premieres next Friday, March 16th, nationwide. His story, uh, the story of the song, I Can Only Imagine. You know, uh, I love, um, you, know, you could call them happy accidents, fortuitous, uh, you know, God's providence in your life. But the way that you backed into music, that, you know, your legs were broken or, you know, your bad ankles. And then, you, you know, you run an RV. You're kind of just being, you know, the geek guy. And right. you discover a voice in yourself. Before that, like when you were around the house, did you ever, when you vocalized, did you kind of think this just feels right? Because you had this incredible thing buried in there, this, this gift of a voice. No, I, no, like, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure like my self-esteem wasn't that great, but at the same time, it's like, I, I think we all sing in the car, but never think we're a singer, you yeah, know, like yeah. I didn't <laughs> sing and stuff, but like, I remember my mom had no idea. My dad had a, yeah, my dad had a great voice. Did he? And so I remember like at five years old, I would sing, I'm a promise in church. My mom played the piano, cool. but, uh, but that was about it. And then my voice didn't change. I was a big football player with like, like I didn't go through puberty until late or something. And it wasn't cool to have this high voice. So I just learned to keep my mouth shut, yeah. and it was more of self-esteem. To stand in front of somebody is, would be the most petrifying thing ever at that time to let anyone hear me sing, and, and I would never be the one to go, oh, yeah, I think I've got it. You know, I just, <laughs> Yeah, I, I never thought that way. That's cool. Yeah. Well, it's fabulous. I mean, what an incredible gift, and for it to be uncovered in the whole, just wonderful. So talk about, you know, your kid. Uh, I grew up in the Walkman era as well. I, um, right. I just love the idea, you know, you walking around town and listening to contemporary Christian music and those, those headphones are on. Uh, did you have a cassette Walkman? Did you have a Discman? What model were you looking at? What, you know, tell me about that. I had, I had both. I mean, like when the, the Discman wasn't out back then yet. And so I, I carried a Walkman, a Sony, a yellow Sony Walkman. Oh yeah. Waterproof. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I know I had one. Yeah. I know this. Yeah, yeah, I, that was my that was my my refuge. That was my like I, I I just feel like I walked most of my life to some type of soundtrack that the rest of the world was oblivious to. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I got in so much trouble. Like, take the you know, it'd be the equivalent of social media or a kid's phone in their hands. Like, get the headphones off. Take not at the table, but you know, I just always had them on. And and uh, my brother's five years older than me, and so he was when I was seventh grade. He graduated and went off to college, and he had a one of his friends that lived down the street was very involved in his youth group and he introduced me to like Petra more power to you and you yeah. two unforgettable fire. And, 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 and those two albums, you two like changed my life. I was like, I was obsessed with it. And it was like, wait a minute, this music. Cause my, I was big into ELO and what did my brother listen to? ELO, dire straits, cars, all this stuff. Yeah. ELO is my first love. Story. Nice. Excellent. And, um, uh, and, um, uh, and I just, I was like, wait, there's music that actually has hope and stuff like and i was and then i i became obsessed with christian music and cool. like i'm 
all my whole life. Like, um, like I wait, I know way too much more <laughs> than I should ever know about Christian music. I love it. That's cool. So, okay. So now that you've, you know, achieved the level of success here, have you ever been able to, you know, walk over to Bono and shake his hand and say, Hey, how you doing? Uh, I have, I, I, we, we met at a presidential prayer breakfast a year when Bush was in office. We had a chance. We came and sang for the, the Texas delegates the night before and stayed for the breakfast of Bono as a speaker. So I had a chance to thank him there. It was quick, but we got a picture stuff. Cool. And, I, and really, I, I, I think I've had a chance to thank all of my heroes except for Jeff Lynn, the lead singer of ELO. That's oh. the one. That's the, uh, that's the bucket list. Is one, I, I, like, I'm literally, he's out on tour, and I'm literally trying to figure out a way to where I can meet him. And so hopefully the movie gets me some kind of clout or something where I get backstage. I love it. That's cool. In all the time that um, Mercy Me's toured, have you guys ever opened the show with uh, Marvin Gaye's uh, Oh, Mercy, Mercy Me? You ever done that? We actually have. We just, uh, uh, we, uh, we've done it to where we played his sample and walked out to it, and then we've We've done the Mercy Me until like at the end of one of our other songs at some point. It was years ago, but yeah, yeah we used to we used to come out to the course of that. I love it. Things I mean, aren't what they used to be. Whoa, yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. When I think of you, you know, the song and the name, and that's what I always think of as well. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. I mean, so here you are. This is it, right? Um, your life's going to change again in some way. People are going to know you in a different way. It's been. You know, you've been doing this for a long time, and uh, you know, a, a band, uh, a book, a movie. This is about as big as it gets, don't you think? Man, I would, I would, I would assume so. Um, you know, I've, the crazy, I feel like there's about five or six different times in my life and our career where it's like, okay, oh really, it's as big as it can possibly get. Oh, that's super know? cool. And, yeah, you know, just and, and to have those moments and and you know, and then you know, 18 years later, whatever, we're talking about the song in this movie. It's a uh, let me just say, like, I'm good. Like, if this is the biggest it gets, I'm, I'm, I'm content. I'm not looking for what's next. Nice. No, I mean, it's not many families that has, like, you know, a motion picture as part of their family scrapbook. I mean, this is it. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's, uh, it's very surreal, to say the least. Yeah. Well, Bart, thanks an awful lot. Really enjoyed the conversation. Love the film. I'm looking forward for everybody else in the audience to go out and see it, talk it up, and invite their friends and family to see it as well. Next Friday, the film I Can Only Imagine premieres nationwide. Bart, uh, just thanks enough a lot. Kudos to you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. I, Luke, send a message to all those that follow our Lord Jesus Christ. From the studio that brought you Risen and War Room comes Paul, Apostle of Christ. There are men, women, children that will never meet you. There must be a handwritten account of your acts. Their faith challenged an empire. Do you really know about these Christians? I am concerned with these documents. Their words change the world. Love is the only way. Paul, Apostle of Christ, starring Jim Caviezel. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. In theaters March 23rd. Go to Paul Movie. Showcase your business, meet local customers, and make new connections at the 2018 Pittsburgh North Regional Home Show and Business Expo. Friday, March 16th from 4 to 8 p.m. and Saturday, March 17th from 11 to 4 at the Block Northway, formerly Northway Mall. Free and open to the public, this annual event brings hundreds of local customers and over 70 area businesses together. A Pittsburgh North Regional Chamber of Commerce event. Details at pghnorthchamber.com. I'm Jeremy Schapp. I have Crohn's disease. The Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America's Take Steps Walk program is dedicated to raising funds and awareness to combat Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. To find a walk site near you, visit www.cctakesteps.org. 
Hey, welcome back. Thanks for coming along today. Yeah, so uh, I have seen this film, like I just talked with Bart Miller. Uh, I can only imagine, uh, only because it was a, a prearranged thing. It was on the little computer screen here. But I'm tell you what, it's a good movie. So I would encourage you, please go see this film. It uh, looks as though it's going to start strong. The uh, producers were looking for like a $2 million first day. And early this afternoon, early returns come in. You know, they track the stuff, you know, deep minutia. So the film is doing better than expected on its opening day. I'm telling you, I, Dennis Quaid, Cloris Leachman, uh, fabulous story. Just a great story up for a terrific song as well. So uh, maybe part of your weekend, a little R&R, go out there and uh, go to the movies as well. I don't know. I was talking to my... Uh, my one boy, he, you know what he's doing tonight? He's going to go out this evening and shoot astrophotography. That's his That's his first love. So, look, finally for the first time in a while, looks like a nice clear night this evening. So, I don't know. Let's go out and take a walk and enjoy the stars. Hey, thanks for being with us. God willing, we'll see you Monday. Enjoy a little rest and relaxation this weekend. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Word FM and Salem Communications. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.